This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. This weekend was Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, you can see it. How many of you feel it? Some of you I can just tell, like, I've done five Thanksgivings and I've got two more to do today. And how many of you have done driving this last weekend? Lots of extra driving. Yeah, yeah. Lots of extra eating, more than planned maybe. Yep, 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 yep. This weekend is Thanksgiving weekend. That means that there are certain things that happen this weekend that don't happen at any other weekend of the year. In our family rhythm, that means there's things like uh, meeting my wife at her clinic on Wednesday with the family in the car all loaded up. We grab here, we hit play on Michael Bublé's Christmas album, and we make the five-hour drive. That's a good album, right? We make the five-hour drive up to my hometown, Conneautville, where we hang out, and that m- next morning, Thanksgiving morning, there's parade, and there's feasting, and there's cooking, and preparing, and, and stuffing, normally eat around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. And then around the 4 o'clock hour in the afternoon, we make the transition up to her family. We visit with her family, lots of family over the next couple days. Today, because it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, that means we're going to Andy's to pick up a Christmas tree. And there's going to be decorating. Now, many of you didn't know this, but there was an emergency because word got out that Andy's only had four more trees. And so I was literally going to send half the church to Andy's because I am not spending the entire day maybe stealing one from your backyard so that baby girl can have a Christmas tree. But the tree is being held, right? Right? And so that we can decorate. That's Thanksgiving weekend at our house. And maybe your Thanksgiving is a little bit different. That weekend, your weekend's a little bit different. But those are the elements that come together for us to have a Thanksgiving weekend. We're moving into the Christmas season, the Advent season, which means certain things happen in that space that don't happen other times of the year. Things that have to be there to make that sacred and special, to make it meaningful and memorable. And that's what I want for you this year. My pastoral prayer for you is that in this season, Advent is both meaningful and and memorable. Meaningful, meaning we're going to hold on to the things of most value and not let lesser things weed their way in. We're going to do the meaningful things, the things of most valuable. Memorable, meaning we want to be able to carry these things forward past December 25th, past New Year's, well past into 2023. We want the stories of God to root themselves deep in our soul. And so it's our prayer as we bring some things before you today and maybe some habits and some Advent rhythms as you go through your notes this morning of taking what is meaningful and helping it be memorable. Last week, uh, I tried to help us prepare to prepare. If you weren't able to be with us, let me give you a little bit of a recap. And what does that mean? We looked at the story of a man named Zechariah. And Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah was a worn out pastor, priest, 
who was doing his ministry at the temple, and the angel of God came to him and says, hey, you and your wife are going to have a kid, and that kid's going to usher in uh, the story of Jesus and Jesus' arrival. And Zechariah can't handle that. He's like, it's not happening. Not happening. How's that going to happen? What you would expect from a soul that's worn out and tired. Not judging. I've been there. To that, the angel says, you know what? Maybe you just need to be quiet for a while. Been there. Been there. And so through his wife's pregnancy, he's unable to speak. God takes his voice. And he does lots of soul searching. So much so as he gets to the birth of his son, he is able to bring forth a message of celebration and hope. And it's that message in the end of Luke chapter 1 where we want to anchor ourselves this Advent season. Because there's things in that passage that I think launch us forward into a meaningful and a memorable Advent. So if you haven't yet, find Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read 67 through 70 line. Lola, we still got a thumbs up? Awesome. All right. This is the passage that I read to you last week, and it's the passage we're going to keep coming back to. So if you're one of those people who like keeps tracks of things in your Bible, like with sticky notes or old worship folders, stuff one in that page, because we're going to keep coming back to Luke chapter 1, 67 through 79 through the course of our Advent time together. Let me read it for you. Luke 1, 67 through 79. And his father, meaning John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, meaning John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. There's a lot going on in that passage. It's pretty easy to get lost while I was reading it. And maybe you're like frustrated. You got two verses in and you can't keep your... There's, there's a lot that's going on in those verses. We introduced it last week, but you're like, wow. There's a lot of hope in that passage. And there's love in that passage. And there's joy in that passage. And there's peace in that passage. But what we don't want to do is kind of turn that into a formula for Advent. I need this plus this plus this plus this. 
These things all need to mingle and dance and, and weave together. Um, when we're at the Thanksgiving table, uh, this is how our, t- our table works. We've got a lot of family members around the table. And some of the plates you can pass around. Okay, some of them you're able to pass the deviled eggs or not. <laughs> pass the rolls, you pass the cranberry sauce, pass the turkey. Some dishes you don't pass because they're just so flaming hot and they're so heavy. Like the sweet potato casserole, and that's molten lava. And it's just, it's just, so what does somebody need to do? Hey, can I serve you some of this? Now, in addition to the serving, there's a question that goes along with it. Hey, is this allowed to touch anything else on your plate or do you want to... Do you want to, it's a legitimate question, right? Because for some of you, at least it's already shaking. It's no, it don't touch. It don't touch. The sweet potatoes do not chase. The potatoes do not touch. The stuffing does not touch. The turkey, and then the gravy, there's different rules for gravy, but there's no touching. How many of you are a no touching kind of person? Well, that's fine. That's fine. The rest of us, Oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And, and the sweet potatoes are dancing with the stuffing. And it's mingling with the turkey and the gravy. Blah, 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 blah. And like, this is great. Oh, this is the joy of the Lord. Too bad others can't experience this wonderful experience of, of, of things. Yeah, the Advent themes of love and joy and peace and hope need to dance together in, in a real messy, majestic, divine, divine way. And so what Zechariah is doing in this passage is, 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 is he's trying to weave things in and out. So that's why sometimes it's kind of hard to follow. He's talking about David, and then he's talking about Abraham, and he's talking about Exodus, and he's talking about exile. And we're going to pull all that apart so that we can understand. But then we want to be able to put it all back together. Flavors. Rich flavors. I mean, who wants a bland turkey at Christmas? No, you don't want bland turkey. What? You, you, want, you want all those taste buds activated. So some of you have learned how to brine your turkey. How many of you brine a turkey? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you immerse it like a good Protestant baptism. You take that turkey and you just, you, you dunk it in those flavors and let it soak it up like the Holy Spirit. Okay? And you... you but then you'll also, maybe you'll take one of those big flavor injectors. How many of you have taken a flavor injector to a turkey? A giant syringe? Yeah, yeah. It's all the same group of people. I want to try your turkeys. And you just immerse the, the meat of that turkey with all these. But then that's just the inside. And maybe you'll rub it with butter, but maybe you'll give it a, a rub itself. You want flavor inside and flavor outside. You want all of these things interacting and intermingling. That's what Zechariah is doing in this passage. Kind of like music. When music needs to come together. If you're listening, you know, Carolyn's over here. She's playing the bass. So she's playing notes that are on the, on the way down low part. Okay. She's kind of giving us our foundation that the music can stand on. Okay. Then, then you have Mr. Bill and the beautiful guitar he got in Jesus' name. Okay. You can tell Sonia I said that, Bill. It's good. It's a beautiful guitar. He's playing notes that are a little up here. And then me, I just get in the way of both of them because I got two hands. So I want a little bit over here and a little bit over here. That's kind of what a pastor does. Just get up in everyone's business. And then vocally, you know, Carolyn and Lindsay, they're up here and Curtis. And I'm just trying to stay out of the way. A lot of different layers. Dexter over there, he's keeping the time. 
So we play together, and every now and then you might watch me. I'm looking out of the corner of my eye so I can make sure I play things when Dexter wants them played so we're all together. In this passage, there are four main ideas that are going in and out, storylines, if you will. There's the story of Abraham, which you need to know. The story of David, which you need to know. The story of Egypt and the Exodus, the story of the exile. And, and Zechariah kind of mingles them all over the place. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. Uh, here's this, this, this musical clip, see if Lola can make her go, um, of what I think is happening here in this passage. Underneath all of this is one story, an important story of Abraham and a promise made to him. But in addition to that, something else starts to happen. Another story, it's different, it's David's story. It's the story of the Exodus, it's the story of the exile. Layered on top, it's different. They're different notes but they need to go together and they fit together to present a bigger message. But what starts to happen is you read through scripture, more prophets come to the table, more voices are going to speak into this beautiful thing that God wants to do in our time. And the story of Abraham is still there. And the stories of David and Exodus are still there. And the prophets are still there. And they're a little bit different, but they're still the same as they play together and they put forth this musical, this musical gift of God's purpose. It's a song of such majesty that people can't help but gather around it. Their attention is drawn to the hope and the grace and the love of God's purpose. There's always some prophets coming in late. The story's never quite over. Until what?
it gets softer and softer. And you think God's done talking. And then a baby is born and he grows up and he heals and he restores and he dies. Then he bursts forth from the tomb. Carrying all these messages with him. And then we find out that we're a part of the story. And these are the things that we're to be carrying forward. That Jesus doesn't happen in isolation. He's not just some baby that fell out of the sky into a manger of hay. Boom. Oh, let's do this thing called Christmas. Hey, let's have a tree. Let's do that. No. Jesus coming forth rests upon all the musical themes and the flavors of everything that's in the Old Testament. The story of Abraham and David. The story of Egypt. The story of the exile. And Zechariah is bringing all of those things together in this one passage. So today, let's just talk about one of those specific passages. One of those specific themes to help us move forward. It says in Luke chapter 1, 78 to 79. Luke 1, 78 to 79. Because of the tender mercies of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That hope is this sunrise out of the darkness. It's a holy visitation. It's living in the shadow of death with hope in our hands. But to hold on to hope, you need to stand and understand the right story. Uh, this, this nativity set here is Corey Steiner's. It was gifted to her on her wedding. Very precious, very memorable, very meaningful. And if I were to pick up one of those pieces, I would need to make sure that my standing, my footing is good. I would hate to be holding on to one of those pieces and my feet go out from underneath me. If I'm going to hold on to hope this Advent season, Zechariah is saying there's certain things that you need to be able to stand on. And one of them is the story of Abraham. In the beginning of our passage, he has this to say in Luke chapter 1, 68 to 73, where we find hope. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, has raised up a horn of salvation to us in the house of his servant David. We'll talk to, about David in a couple weeks. Just put him on the shelf. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. We'll talk about that. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Look. To show the mercy promised to our fathers to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. 
See those three things in, 73, in 72 and 73. To show the mercy promised to our fathers. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of the faith, okay? To show that mercy. To remember the holy covenant. What's that? The oath that he swore to our father, Abraham. That phrase, that oath, swore to our father, Abraham. Need to hold on to that for a second. How many of you remember playing Candyland? Right? Candyland's awesome. Love that game. How many of you played it this? You got little nieces and nephews. Maybe you played it this last weekend. Love playing Candyland. Here you have to journey through the land of candy and drawing on these little cards. So you can go three purple or you can go one yellow or maybe you draw one of those magic cards that say you can move ahead farther to maybe it's the peanut brittle mansion or the gumdrop lane. Different cards that pop up at different spaces. Catapulting you forwards or backwards. Scripture works that way. All of a sudden, a writer or a speaker will say something and they want you to go backwards into the story to grab something. Or maybe to help you image something that's in front of you. That phrase, that oath that he swore to our father Abraham, that's Zechariah's way of saying we need to know that story if we're going to understand hope and what the Son of Man is going to do when he comes. So go to Genesis 26. Let's look at that. Let's look at this foundational musical theme. Genesis 26. In Genesis 26, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. This is God talking to Isaac. Give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham is the one whom God first gave the promise to. The promise to bless and multiply and that through Abraham all the world would be blessed. That passed on to Isaac, his son. This is God reiterating that promise. That promise goes to Jacob. Name's going to become Israel from Israel's the 12 tribes. Okay? Listen in Genesis 26, verses 1 through 5. Now there was a famine in the land. Besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. So we have like this generations of famine. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you. I'll bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all of these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all of these lands and to your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. This is what Zechariah wants floating around in my mind. This story as I'm understanding what God's about to do in history. When he says that oath that he swore to her father Abraham, did you see that passage? It's right there in the middle. In verse 3, I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. That's what Zechariah said. So in the midst of everything that's going on, I need to remember that we're in a state of famine. That's what that passage said. Abraham was in a famine. Isaac says he's in a famine and you're in a famine. Spiritual famine, emotional famine, relational famine. What's a famine? I don't have something that I need. I'm lacking. 
I'm missing something. This is famine. And we are to get through the famine, not get out of the famine. There's a difference. Some of our church teachings tell us that God wants to get us out of the trouble. No. God wants to bring us through the trouble. God did not catapult Israel over the Red Sea. He brought them through the Red Sea. God tells Isaac in this passage, hey, there's a famine. You stay in the land where the famine is. I will bring you through the famine. I'm not going to get you out of the famine. Talks about the importance of obedience. Holy visitation, that God's going to visit his people. And that this people is going to be a blessing to the whole world. Zechariah was meditating on these passages his entire life. Okay? We need to do it in about 90 seconds. But maybe already you can hear some things that you've heard echoed through other stories. Oh, things are really bad. But God's not going to take us out of the bad. God's going to bring us through what's bad. Because he's going to come enter into the story with us. He's going to be with us in the bad. Whether that's famine or we're going to look at Egypt in a couple weeks. Or we're going to look at exile. It's the dark. But in the dark, he doesn't take us out of the dark. He sits with us and he joins us in the dark. And in that, with his presence, through his people, Others are going to be blessed. You guys ever heard any of those ideas before? These foundational themes that need to come and visit our Christmas. With that in the back of my mind, now maybe some of these passages mean a little bit more. In Luke chapter 1, 78 and 79, I read to him earlier. Because of the tender mercy of God whereby sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Now I can start to frame and understand hope a little bit. Not as a formula, but as a story. In your notes, let's see if we can understand hope a little bit. Hope is looking to Jesus' sunrise. Hope is looking to Jesus's sunrise. What Jesus is going to do. Barrow, Alaska has said goodbye to the sun for the next two months. Okay? You know where Barrow, Alaska is? It's the northernmost tip of Alaska. It's 300 miles past the Arctic Circle. It's as far north in the United States as you can possibly get. And because of the tilt of the earth and the nature of rotation and revolution, it will not see the sun for two months. From November 18th, 19th to about January 23rd, the sun will not rise above their horizon line. Two months of what they call polar night. Can you imagine? And it's cold. Like, really cold. So it's really cold and it's really dark all the time. Now this is what I think. I don't think anyone in Barrow, Alaska is freaking out right now. Oh my goodness, where did it go? Is it going to come back? 
It's not there anymore. Why didn't the sun come up? No one is freaking out in Barrow, Alaska right now. They're not having town hall meetings. They're not blaming the government on Facebook. No one is freaking out because the sun didn't come up. You know why? Citizens of Barrow, Alaska know this is the season we're in. It's dark. It's going to last two months. And then somewhere around January 23rd, and maybe we'll all go out there together, the shards of sunrise will peak above the horizon line again, and the sun will come back. Why are they not freaking out? Because they know the nature of things. They understand this is the season. It's the same season they had last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that. That in the middle of the dark, in the middle of the famine, in the middle of all that's hopeless, there is still hope because they know what's going to happen. Why does the follower of Jesus Christ have hope? Because we know what's going to happen. We know the nature of things. Specifically, we know the nature of God. That God is good. He's good. That he's with me in the famine. He's with me in the darkness and in the night. We might not know what the perpetual January 23rd is, that prophetic moment where the sun will come, but we know because we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith, that the sun will come because he's good. If you go back to that passage in Genesis 26 that I showed you, it's time and time and time again, God promises to do something. I will be with you. I will bless you. I will give you the land. I will establish the oath to Abraham. I will multiply the people in the land. I will, I will, I will, I will. Hope rests on who God is, not on humanity. That was a real popular thing in the Greek culture. Hey, it's going to be good because we'll figure it out. And we're smarter than the generations who came before us. We can have hope because we're smart. We can have hope because we'll just advance and we'll progress. Biblical hope does not rest on human capacity. Biblical hope rests on who God is, what God has done, and how God time and time and time again has proven himself. The ultimate demonstration, Jesus Christ on Easter morning. If you want to understand Advent, you need to look to Easter morning. His sunrise, where he defeated sin and death. That's hope. That's hope. Hope is looking to what Jesus has done, not to myself. Here's another thing that hope is in your notes. Hope is waiting out the famine. Hope is waiting out the famine. Isaac, that story, Abraham and Isaac, there's this perpetual famine that seems to happen generation after generation. The land is lacking. It's not producing what it needs to be producing. But in all of that, God said to Isaac in that passage, hey, don't leave this land to go someplace else. That'll just get you in trouble. You stay here in this land. Well, that's where the famine is. Yep, I'm gonna be with you. You're gonna sojourn in the land of famine. You're going to sojourn in the land of lack. 
and dark, but I'm going to be with you. You're going to wait on God. Hope is waiting. It's waiting out. Zechariah and the nation of Israel are waiting underneath the oppression of the Roman Empire. Waiting for God's deliverance. Waiting. Again and again in the New Testament, the followers of Jesus Christ are called to wait upon the Lord. You know, which means you can wait. I'm not waiting as in, oh, I hope I get out of this disease. Oh, I hope I get out of this bad work relationship. Oh, I hope I get out of the situation with the family. Oh, I hope I get out of it. That's not hope. Hope is I'm waiting through it. Ultimately, God is going to do the good thing. This is the tension of the silence and the fury that I want you to wrestle with this Advent season. For many of us, Christmas is a Hallmark movie. It's a Hallmark channel. You know, where she meets the guy and she finds out she's a magical princess and he finds out that he's a millionaire and everything ends great and happy and the snow falls at the end and we sing. And then, oh, look, Hallmark has another one ready for us. Let's watch that one. Dude, I'm not dissing. Don't tell Amy I'm dissing the Hallmark channel, okay? Okay, I know that there's, there's nothing wrong with the Hallmark channel as long as it doesn't program you to think that's the story of Christmas. Because hope exists in the dark where it's hard and there's pain, and there's suffering, and there's hurt, and there's uncertainty, and there's famine, and there's lack. And it's not about getting out of the hurt. It's about sitting with God and waiting with God as he moves us through it. Looking to Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's waiting. If you're about hope, you're about waiting. I will wait on what God wants to do. I'm not going to try to get out of it. And then thirdly, hope is shining and sharing light with others. Hope means shining and sharing light with others. If you were to go back to that passage in Genesis 26, write down shining and sharing, shining and sharing. If you go back to that passage in Genesis 26, then you see these themes of obedience coming out. Hey, be where I told you to be. Do what I told you to do. Hey, look at Abraham. He did what he was told to do. Shining bright. Committed to purity. Sermon on the Mount, a candle cannot be hid. You don't put it underneath a basket. A city on a hill cannot be hid. I'm different now because I have the message of hope. I'm still in the dark. But now I have a light. If you were to take me to Barrow, Alaska, I'd probably be freaking out. Right? Where did it go? We're like, it's coming back. It's fine. It's fine. When we were at Thanksgiving uh, with family, we were visiting with someone, uh, a family on Friday, one of Elisa's sisters at their new house, and uh, Elisa's nephew started to freak out. The toilet overflowed. 
and it overflowed and overflowed and overflowed so that the water in the bathroom now cascaded into the basement. And so now there's water flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. And Andrew's one comment was, the house is going to flood now. And tears are coming down his face and he's completely freaking out. He was, he was certain this is the end of the house. Brand new house is going to flood and float away. No one else was freaking out. Why? Because like, no, no, we're going to fix this. We can take care of this. This is not the darkest night. We know things, Andrew, that you don't know. Follower of Jesus Christ needs to shine bright. We know things that other people don't know. We know that the sun is going to rise. We know that a good God is going to make it right. But our responsibility is to shine, to reflect the goodness of God back to others into the world. Listen, if you're a jerk, you're not reflecting light. If you are consumed and tarnished with sin, you're not reflecting light. If you're walking in bitterness, you're not reflecting light. If you're consumed by anger, you're not reflecting light. All the firemen are like, look at the candle. It's all right, guys. In 1 John 3, 2 to 3, it says this. Beloved, we are God's children now, and we will be as not yet appeared. What we're going to be has not yet appeared, meaning we're in a season of darkness right now. But we know that when he appears, we'll be like him, Jesus, because we shall see him as he is in all of his glory. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Knowing that Jesus is coming, his kingdom come and his will be done, means I am motivated then to now live in a space of kingdom, light, and hope. I live differently. I don't live like the dark. I live like the light. I want to reflect him. But not just that. I also want to share that light. I want to be a blessing. God said to Abraham, God said to Isaac, God said to Jacob, hey, through you I will bless the world. This is not about me sitting on my little stoop with my little light keeping it covered, making sure that others don't get light. This is about manifesting the blessings of God, his love, his hope, his grace, his peace with others wherever I possibly can. If you gather with us on Christmas Eve, we sing Silent Night and what do we do with the candles? We take the light and we pass it on and we pass it on and we pass it on. Why? Because that's what we do. We are a people of blessing. Called to people, be a people of blessing. To share the story of a good king and what he wants to do. And if you open up your notes, there's an invite card in there, a little round disc. It's a way for you to invite others to the story. Invite them on Sunday morning. Invite them to a life group. Invite them to Christmas Eve. Invite them to Christmas morning. Shine the light in their life. Hey, would you like to join me? Hey, it's dark out there. We're learning about life and light and hope and love and grace and peace. Would you like to hear about some of that? God's changed my life. I'd love to share that message with you. Use that invite card. We've been passing out hope bags. There's a reason we call them hope bags. There's a reason that the hope team is called the hope team. Is we're collecting resources to deliver to Terrace Ridge. A way to come alongside people in their darkness and say that Jesus has come. We're with you. 
Can we bless you? Here's some tangible, specific things. If you don't know anything about that, the table set up. The Hope Team will walk you through that. Get a bag, pick up whether it's for a man or a woman, fill that up. Bring it back. It'll be delivered on Christmas Eve. This is what we do. We are a blessing to others. Hope looks to Jesus. Hope waits on Jesus. Hope shines and shares. Let's see if we can nail this down. Okay? Meaningful and memorable. Meaningful and memorable. Faith first. I talked about that last week. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Have you given your allegiance to Jesus Christ, saying, I'm following him. It's dark, it's famine, that's my king. He's proven himself time and time again. If you don't have faith in Christ, I'd love to sit down with you and talk about the promises of Jesus. But also on the back of your notes are some soul care questions. Flip them over. These, these questions might be a simple way for you to take today's message and just wrestle with it a little bit more. To kick these ideas around. To let the seeds of this truth just kind of root in your heart a little bit more. Set aside some time. Work through them. I, I'd love to sit down and talk to you. Write that down on a connection card. Pastor Paul, can we talk? I'm struggling with hope. It's a difficult time of the year. It's a dark time of the year. I'm having a hard time moving forward. The light's all but going out. Love to sit down and talk with you. Just write that on a connection card. We'll set up some time and we'll talk. Also in your notes, we have a reading and a habit guide. Would you pull that out, please? As we move into the Advent season, maybe this will help. How about you? I'm tired. Had a lot of driving the last few days. Lucas did some of it. That was awesome. Lucas did great. There's a lot of eating. There's a lot of visiting. And we're moving into a blusterous, busy time of the year that wants to speed up and go faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And so the call to slow down is even more important. Maybe this habit guide and reading guide would help you. Uh, on the one page, we have a bunch of passages listed out in dates and they're by week, week one, week two, three, four. These are the things that we're going to be talking about. And maybe if, you know, you need some good scripture reading, I would suggest following these passages. Some of these you'll hear me read through the course of the message. But also as you're reading them, here's some questions to guide your reflection on the top of that. You know, what does this teach me? How does this prompt me to be thankful? What do I need to confess out of this passage? How does this guide my day? And everybody loves to check a box. So maybe this would be a good reading guide for you this Advent season. But flip it over to the other side where it says daily habit guide, big circle. I completely ripped most of this from somebody else. I'm not that creative. But I thought, hey, this is a great way to slow down. I would suggest practicing these four habits this season. One, kneeling in silence and prayer three times a day. Maybe that's morning, maybe that's midday, maybe that's evening. I even have the bottom suggestions. Hey, in the morning, kneel, why don't you say the Lord's Prayer? Hey, midday, why don't you just kneel in, in silence for three minutes? Don't say anything, don't do anything, just be silent. Just be in God's presence. Maybe at the end of the day, kneel and have a moment of thankfulness. Maybe do that as a family. But kneel, meaning align your body with what your spirit and your soul is trying to do. Sometimes by letting our body take a specific posture, it kind of jump starts the mind. So kneel. Kneel. Number two, light a candle. 
And the candle will be a symbol of the Advent season. Maybe you have an Advent wreath that you're going to work through as a family or as an individual. Or maybe at, at dinner, as the family's gathered around and you reflect on one of the passages, you could light a candle. And maybe just remind yourself that Jesus is the light of the world. Let it help to set the season in this time apart. Light a candle. Number three, this is awesome. Let's do scripture before screens. Apart from the fact that maybe your phone is your alarm. How many for you, your phone is your alarm? It's okay, okay? But after that, set your phone down. Before you check your internet, before you check the scores of the game. How'd the football game go? <laughs> yeah, you watched the wrong football game. Before you check the game, before you play a game, before you look at your email, before you do any of those things, let's do scripture first. Let's maybe read this passage. Let that shape us and form us more than what the phone is attempting to do. Make that a habit. Make that a morning habit. In our family rhythm, uh, the boys say, hey, screens before, no, scripture before screens. So if we're not getting to the table, the, the table where we sit down with our Bibles and read our passage for 45 minutes, that means we're not on our phone for 45 minutes. Sometimes we're good at it, sometimes we're not. But hey, this Advent season, let's give that a shot. And here's another one, number four. I think this could be a great blessing to many of us. No phone while you're waiting. No phone while you're waiting. Because we're in the season of waiting. Well, waiting for what? Waiting for anything. Waiting at the bank. Waiting at the intersection. Waiting in line. Instead of picking up your phone and, and doing this, Set it down. Wait. Look at the people around you. Reflect on the story of God. Reflect on the sun that's going to come. Wait. Embrace the waiting. I'll get bored. That's perfectly okay. That's perfectly okay. Well, they'll get bored. It's good for them to be bored. But let's, let's embrace Waiting. Let this shape us. Let these rhythms shape us. And may Advent become meaningful and memorable. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our Hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. 